The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 25th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had the two talents also came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. But to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, the gospel of the Lord. Good news? For the past year, we have been navigating through the gospel of Matthew. Today is the 24th Sunday after Pentecost, and that means a few things. One, that the Advent is just around the corner. Next weekend is Christ the King Sunday. The following weekend is the first Sunday in Advent. And that means two things. One, it's the beginning of a new church year, and it also means that we are leaving behind the Gospel of Matthew and going into primarily readings from the Gospel of Mark along with the Gospel of John. 
Now, I will be the first to admit I'm entirely okay with leaving the Gospel of Matthew behind because for the last couple weeks when I have preached, I have had the wonderful privilege of preaching on the weeping and gnashing of teeth. It gets a little tiresome. But if you look a little bit more closely, you will see that Matthew loves to use that language. In fact, he uses the language of weeping and gnashing of teeth five times. That's three more times than Mark, Luke, and John. And by the way, John doesn't use it at all. So Matthew loves this language that obviously puts each and every one of us on the edge of our seats in order to get people's attention. And he does a really good job of it. In fact, more often than not, after listening to a gospel reading like we heard just moments ago, when I ask, so what was it in the reading that stood out for you? What caught your attention? More often than not, somebody will say, well, the weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is up with that? So what we find here then is a sense of urgency that is present in Matthew's gospel. Most people believe that Jesus would return in their lifetime. And so when Matthew was writing, the thought was that they would indeed see Jesus uh, come back again, that he would return again, and that they would see him in all his glory. So there was this sense of urgency that was present with the idea of what would Jesus see when he returns? What would suddenly stand out to him when he returns? And so we encounter Jesus today. It's Holy Week. He is making his way to the cross and eventually to the empty tomb. And up to this point, along the way, Jesus has been challenging the crowds, asking them where their devotion is. Is it to God or is it to Caesar? Where will the crowds devote their lives? So back to the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. I have a question for you. How many of you have ever cried out in sadness? You can raise your hands if you want. All right. How many of you have been so frustrated or angry or just off the edge that you have found yourselves grinding your teeth or biting your lower lip or doing everything you can to simply take a deep breath and not react? How many of you have done that? Okay. I know there's more, but I wasn't expecting everyone to raise their hand. The truth of the matter is Jesus has been preaching and teaching for three years about the good news of God and this way in which God is coming into this world, this gracious and loving God. And there has been a group of people all along the way that have constantly been pushing back at Jesus, and they are the self-righteous individuals. They are the ones who think and believe that they have it all figured out, that they don't need what Jesus is offering them. In fact, they don't need the light of Christ and rather choose to live in darkness. That is why we then hear the parable of the talents. The three slaves. 
the first slave receives five talents. Now, one talent is the equivalent of 15 to 20 years of a laborer's wage. That's still a lot of money. The second slave receives two talents, and the third receives one. But if we look at the text more closely, and we soon discover that in Jesus Christ, that God is revealed to you and me, we learn and realize that God is not a harsh God, reaping where God did not sow, and gathering where he did not scatter seed, but rather, God is a God of deep love and compassion and care and grace for the whole world. In fact, as we approach the season of Advent, we are reminded of Emmanuel, that God is with us each and every day, a God who cares intimately about you and where you're at in this walk of life. And so the parable itself, as much as we want to draw our attention perhaps to the language of money and certainly the outer darkness and the weeping and gnashing of teeth, this parable really has nothing to do with either of those things. But rather, it has to do with how we choose to live in the meantime, the time between now and Jesus' promised return. How do we choose to live between the time of today and the time that Jesus will come again again in all his glory? It is a reminder to you and me that each and every one of us has something to offer. And regardless of how insignificant we may think it is, the truth is each and every one of you, with your gifts, with your talents, makes a difference. And so the idea then is that we don't hold these things close to the vest and not share them with the rest of the world. That is antithetical to what it means to be a Christian and to live in community with one another. In fact, we are also reminded then that part of this walk of faith that we have also involves responsibility and at times even taking a risk in order to share the good news. It is not a passive faith where we simply stand on the sidelines and watch everything else go by, but rather it is one of activity and involvement that we are called to. So how does this, what does this look like? What does it look like to be active and present in the world, to not be passive and simply allow the world to go by without having our part in it, without sharing our gifts. If we look ahead uh, a couple verses from where we are today, you will hear these words. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. A real image of what it looks like to be the body 
of Christ in the world in which we live. In other words, what you say and what you do and what you think makes all the difference in the world. Regardless of how small or insignificant you may think what you have to offer, there is nothing that is too insignificant for the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You matter. You are of great and deep value, each and every one of you, and you have something to offer this world. Through your actions and through what you do, it truly makes a difference. For all of our middle schoolers and high schoolers who slept out last night, that makes a difference by bringing about awareness of homelessness and poverty right here in our own backyard. But with the wonderful things that we can do, we also must then remind ourselves that we have great responsibility with the things that we have been given. Because just as we can build one another up, there is always the temptation and the possibility to tear each other down with the ways in which we act and the things that we say and the things we believe. So it is important then that we live our life out in a way that seeks to breathe the marrow of life into one another and not take it away. So how you treat one another, it matters, to be sure. And Paul reminds us in his letter to the Thessalonians that we are to encourage one another and seek to build one another up. So whether you have five talents or one talent, remember that you make a difference in the world. May it be for good. Let it be so. Amen.